Welcome to the I Love Me Too podcast, the podcast that empowers women to heal themselves, love themselves, and most importantly, free themselves. I'm your host, Erica Donnell. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. On average, more than one in three women and one in four men in the U.S. will experience rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner. And one in 10 high school students has experienced physical violence from a partner in the last year alone. For 24-7 support, information, and advocacy, you can visit the National Domestic Violence Hotline website at www.thehotline.org. Today, my guest, Monicia Ramirez, is sharing her experience being involved in an abusive and violent relationship, which almost took her life. I have to warn you that today's episode does contain some graphic details and content that may be triggering for some people. Hi, Monicia. Welcome and thank you for your time today and for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. You were involved um, in an abusive relationship, which almost ended your life, and your story was even on the local news where you live. How long ago did that take place? So it happened last December, so almost a year ago, um, and at the time, he actually kidnapped my daughter as well. Wow, okay, so I want to kind of start at the beginning um, before we get into, you know, what actually took place that day how did you meet so Victor and I met uh almost four years ago on Thanksgiving it'll be four years so we had a mutual friend and she brought him over to my apartment and we were just kind of talking and you know hanging out having a good time when she had to go to work you know him and I decided to just continue hanging out and Literally from that point on, we were like inseparable. So we were together for the remainder of whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much right yeah. when we met, it was just like exactly. and it never really ended. Yeah, exactly. Like we both feel like fueled each other's loneliness. So we just mm-hmm. kind of stuck together. Yeah. And how, how old were you at that time? I was 20. So yeah, I was 20 and okay. he was 21. Um, so, you know, you met and then the relationship just pretty much, um, started when yeah. they, you know, were there signs right away that maybe now looking back, you notice now, or did it kind of gradually lead up to where things started to take place that now you would say, I should have maybe noticed that, or that would have let me kind of know. Yeah. So honestly, from... I want to say like the first couple of days we were, you know, in a really like, um, we were, that was our honeymoon stage, right? Just a few days. That's Mm -hmm. where we were like extremely sweet to each other, but it was very quick that him and I kind of, um, became everything for each other. Okay. So not only were we lovers, but we were also like growing this like really weird, strong, best friend bond and then we were each other's enemies so it it was very very fast um the signs like the red flags and all that they Mm -hmm. happened in the in the beginning you know 
um, a lot of times though, I chose to dismiss them, you know, because like I said, we moved really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we became extremely attached to one another, you know, and a lot of times that comfortability, it was, it was really nice when I didn't have anybody else. And I know he felt that way too. So yeah, yeah it was definitely from the beginning. Yeah. Um, when you say, you know, those signs kind of started to happen fast, do you, you know, could you maybe give some examples of things now that, you know, you look at to, um, yeah. So, I mean, usually in the beginning of a relationship, right. Um, we call it a honeymoon stage. Okay. And that, that could last, you know, for months at a time. Right. But Mm -hmm. the fact that his and I, like him and our relationship, our honeymoon stage was only a few days. That right there was a big red flag Mm -hmm. that I chose to ignore. Like I knew what I wanted and I knew what I deserved, but I literally was like, whatever, it's better than being alone. You know, Mm -hmm. um, So him and I would uh, call each other names, you know, Um, it kind of started there. And then we started like play fighting and play fighting would often lead to like us fighting, fighting, you know, because one of us hit each other too hard or, you know, one of us did something that one one of us didn't like, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so we were kind of uh, lacking communication in terms of like our boundaries right mm-hmm. so that's kind of, those were kind of like our signs and then he started kind of going to work with me you know he would wait in the car all day while I was in my shift you know so that's kind of where I was just like huh this is like different you know mm-hmm. and I obviously didn't see any of my coworkers' boyfriends doing that or any of their girlfriends you know so I knew that either one like he really truly loved me and him and I were like extremely inseparable mm-hmm. or two this was about to go somewhere it didn't belong you mm-hmm. know yeah and um because I believe I think when you and I had initially you know talked before before this you mentioned also so like when you met him he pretty much like he never left so you guys yeah. moved in or we're living together right away as well um were there like did you live alone were there other people in the home yeah so actually I was living in a THP so I was in the foster I grew up in the foster system um my mom and dad you know lost parental rights and stuff like that so I had been on my own like for all of these years but Mm -hmm. because I had just become an adult they, they give you an apartment, right? Or they don't give it to you. You have to like work and go to school, but they provide you with housing. Mm-hmm. So I was living in a, in a housing program at the time and I did have a roommate, you know, and my roommate also had people coming and going, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's what happens when you give, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds, like their own apartment, they kind of have fun with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what happened. I did have a roommate and in the beginning she did like, she did like him, you know, she was like, wow, you guys are like connecting really well, you know, um, he seems good for you. But then, you know, she started noticing like, why is he talking to you like that? You know, why is he saying things like that? Why is he going through your stuff? And I didn't care, you know, cause like I said, I'd rather be with him than be alone. It was nice to have the company, you know? Oh. So she, and I, I have a question that, um, 
you know, I don't, hopefully you're comfortable um, answering it. If, if not, that's fine. But, you know, mentioning uh, coming from the foster care system, yeah. one would assume that there probably were things maybe in your childhood that took place um, as far as like, like a dysfunctional maybe upbringing. Yeah, of course, you know, and that, it, you yeah. know, maybe had a part to play in kind of the relationship that you ended up in. Yeah, it definitely did. And um, I'm just going to say this, like, as honest as I can be, mm -hmm. it wasn't up until I decided to start sharing my story that I actually put myself in shoes of people who have never been in an abusive environment, right? Mm -hmm. So every, everybody up until this incident that I had known in my whole life had either been abused, had been abusive, had, you know, had been surrounded by that kind of stuff. So for me, it was normal, right? Like it was completely normal and I was so used to it. So that's why when it, it began like getting more intense, I didn't really pay any mind to it, especially watching my mom, you know, get abused mm -hmm. like my whole life and stuff. It just, it was not that big of a deal, right? Mm -hmm. For me, yeah. for myself at the time. Yeah. So I, not so much now, and I think maybe because I'm older and I have a little bit of um, more empathy and understanding for people in general, but I was one of those people that was like, I don't get it. Like, why would somebody accept being abused? Like, why don't they just leave? There's always a way to, you know, get out of it. And so I, I didn't, you know, you, you really don't truly understand um, somebody else's situation or reasoning behind things. If somebody, you know, maybe knows someone who's in a relationship like this and um, they kind of can tell like they're not in a healthy relationship and you want to be supportive, but you just don't know how. Because I think for some people, they feel like, well, if she's not going to leave the situation, then, um, but so where I'm not abandoning them because, you know, really only like you in the situation can kind of determine when the right time. When for the you right time. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So honestly, like my experience with everything, um, I got a lot of comments, you know, a lot, like, throughout the, all the years that I was with Vic, you know, um, mm -hmm. you need to leave him, like, you deserve better, um, you're too pretty for him, like, he doesn't treat you right, you need a man, a provider, uh, you're doing this to yourself, you know, like, do you like it? Is this what you like? You know, is this what you want for yourself? No, they would, they would say things about, uh, you know, how I parented, you know, my daughter because of me being with Victor, you know, um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes that people are abused, like they, they listen and they hear, you know, they know what they deserve. They know what they want. They know they have to get out. But there's a lot of different factors that take place, right? Some people can't get divorced, you know, because of their religion and because, you know, they truly don't believe in divorce, you know. Mm -hmm. um, some people can't leave because they've never worked a job, you know, like some women have never worked a job because they have invested their lives into their family. and. Mm -hmm they don't know anything but the family and they don't, they don't have the resources maybe to get a job. You know, you want to leave, you try to leave a couple times, but then you get to the point where you're like, no, I really got to leave. You know? So once I was at that point where I was like, I really got to leave, I, I let everybody just leave my life, you know? And I really made a plan. Mm 
So yeah, Victor knew me, right? And Victor and I were, you know, we were Vic and I still, but I also had like another life. You know, I was getting ready to leave. And that's a lot, that's what my friends and my family at the time didn't see. You know, they only saw me getting abused. They saw me getting mistreated. They saw me getting um, manipulated, controlled. They saw me like losing everything thing but they didn't know that I was getting myself prepared to leave and it everything has to happen with the plan you can't right. just I mean you can you know um do things head on but if you want them to be right and if you want to be confident in your moves you have to have a plan yeah you know what I mean and because I already um was investing in my career, I was investing in my child, I was investing in myself, you know, I had things to lose. It wasn't like I could just make these like spontaneous moves and not lose anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So eventually I got to the point where, okay, I started like mending my relationship with Victor. Okay. Like, and people, I kid you not, people could not understand where I was coming from. And I've never told anybody my plan you know what I mean so everybody's just seeing this from the outside so they're seeing me like make amends with Victor and they're seeing me um be pretend to be happy you know but in all reality what I was doing was I was manipulating the manipulator you know so Mm -hmm. I was making him feel like I wanted to be with him you know I I was making him feel like I felt secure and safe and that we were going to work but really, I was getting him to be on my good side. My plan was not going to work if he was angry at me. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I really had to be on his good side. I truly, truly had to be on his good side. I was going to say, going back to kind of when you were like, before you got to that point. Yeah. What, um, like, I know you said in the beginning things, mm-hmm. you know, there were things you that were happening right away. Yeah. That you kind of just, you know, overlooked. Um, you know, when did, when did it become physical? I know you, you mentioned like play fighting, but when was it really like, this is, I mean, this is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I can tell you exactly when that was, and I was already pregnant at that point. And so, so your daughter was with him. You both have a daughter together. Yeah. Him and I okay. both have a daughter together and that's my only child and his only child. He, got mad out of nowhere just randomly spontaneously um you know that was one of his really toxic traits was that his moods would just switch so quickly you know abruptly and like I didn't understand it so he got so angry at me he punched me in the face and he gave me this really big black eye right it was so big that it covered like half of my cheek and my whole eye right Mm -hmm. um you know, when that happened, I told him that I needed space. Um, so I ended up sleeping with um, one of my old foster families. I went and spent the night. I left my car, you know, at my my house. And he messages me acting crazy, you know, saying that he's going to leave and take the car, like my car, you know, that I was working on, paying off and that I was working for. So, um, you know, when that happened, I called, like, the police, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe... A lot of times this was my biggest regret in our relationship because this this caused this was like our peak. You know, this is what caused um, some really, really uh, 
bad fights, like physical fights, you know. Um, so he ended up going to jail for, you know, auto uh, auto theft and um, domestic violence because when the cops came, originally it was supposed to be for him stealing my car, but when they saw the big bruise on my face, they knew it was domestic violence, you know, and I, I, I was like... I wanted him to leave, but I was in denial. So when the cops were questioning me, I wasn't denying it, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really giving them much to work with, but I was giving them enough to, to let them know, Hey, you know, like he did this to me and I, I do want him gone mm-hmm. anyways. So, you know, um, I don't talk to him for a couple months. Um, one day he calls me, he gets out of jail. Um, the two weeks, you know, two weeks, that was it, two weeks, we had two weeks that were good, and um, after that, you know, two weeks, we had a court hearing for him, he got sentenced to three years probation, and right after that court hearing, you know, we're in the car, and he's, like, punching me, he's, like, pulling my hair while he's driving, and I'm crying, right, because I'm, you know, six, almost seven months pregnant, Um, we get back to the house, you know, he's put uh, pushing me. He's like dragging me by my hair. Okay. Um, I'm crying. Nobody else is home. I was living at my cousin, at my cousin's house, um, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's like, you know, doing all this stuff to me. And I'm like, I said, I'm pregnant. I'm like big already, you know, like I'm huge. And so, uh, he ends up going to my cat and he chokes my cat. He's like suffocating my cat right in front of me. Okay. I'm crying. I'm screaming, right? This cat, I've had this cat since it was two days old. It's already years at this point, you know, maybe eight years old. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm crying. I'm screaming. I'm telling him, I'm begging him, please, please stop. Please stop. Let my cat go. You know, I'm crying. I'm asking for help, trying to get, um, call the neighbors. Nobody is around though, you know, and I didn't have a phone at the time. Um, I didn't have anything. I, I didn't have anything. And so, you know, I'm crying and begging to him, like, please let the cat go. And so when the cat is finally, um, you know, unconscious, he um, puts a blanket over the cat. And I'm crying. I'm sitting down in the corner, you know. Uh, he says, come here, come get cat. And I'm, like, screaming. I'm, like, no, please don't make me, like, go see the dead cat. You know, yeah. I really, you know, I'm, like, scared. Like, I don't I don't want to see that. You know, I'm very sensitive. And so um, he's, like, come get your cat right now. Go throw it away. And so I'm obviously freaking out, you know, like, I really don't want to do this. And so he comes, you know, he charges at me, he grabs me by my hair, and he drags me to the cat, like to this dead, like the dead cat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he puts my face in the cat's face. And he's like, you know, pulling my hair. And he's telling me, this is because, you know, um, I know how much you love this cat, right? you ruined my life. So I'm going to ruin like yours, basically, he was telling me, you know, so he was going to destroy everything that I cared about. Because, you know, I supposedly ruined his life by by putting him in jail for the domestic violence and auto theft. And, um, you know, he after that, after him coming back from jail that time, it got extremely bad, like there was no longer play fighting. You know, it was now like, I was scared. You know, because he uh, began pulling my hair a lot harder. He began choking me a lot harder. Um, You know, he began. uh, It was to the point, though, like where, you know, he wouldn't pull my hair until it hurt. He would pull my hair until I had bald patches or he wouldn't choke me until, you know, I couldn't um, just breathe. He would choke me until he felt my body going limp, Mm. you know. So that's that that was kind of when I, I felt like, okay, I need to start making a plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, that I'm, cause it sounded like at that time you were um, getting closer to having your daughter and yeah. you know, how were things like after your daughter was born? Um, yeah. So after my baby was born, it was okay. I want to say maybe um, like a month. We were okay. You know, I did a lot. I was doing a lot. I, I truly was doing more than I probably should have. But we, I wasn't getting beaten, you know, for like the first month. Um, until we went and moved in with his sister. You know, he didn't want to work. Like, he just did not want to go to work. And we were adults. Like, we needed money. Like, we have a baby, you know. We need to buy diapers. We need to buy things, you know. We cannot rely on people. And that's just not who I was. Even... Up until my due date, you know, I was working. Mm-hmm. So for me to not work, that wasn't an option, you know, or for him to not work, it wasn't an option. We needed to have a steady income. So when he decided that he didn't want to go to work, then obviously I had to put on my big girl pants, you know, and go to work. Mm-hmm. So that's when it got a lot harder because he would tell me things like, you know, you're never home with your child. You're, you always, um, you're always out doing things. And I'm like, but I'm working, you know, and it was a couple months later that I started going to school, you know, and so then he like, started resenting me, right? So now my baby's a couple months old. Okay, so I think I started going to school when the baby was like, three, like almost three months. Okay. Mm-hmm. He started hating me. He started, um, you know, telling me things like, you're trying to be better than me, you're trying to act like you're better than this, you know, because I come from a really rocky, patchy childhood, you know, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I hung out with a lot of street kids, you know, and a lot of kids who um, were homeless. I was homeless, too, you know, and so that's how I know a lot of those kind of people. So yeah. he tried saying, you know, um, you're no better than us, you know, like, you're no better than this, like, what are you doing with your life, you know, you're wasting your time, you're, you're doing all this stuff, and you're ignoring your kid, you're not even a mom, he would tell me, you suck at being a parent, all you are is a provider, right, and so he began, like, with the mental abuse, you know what I mean, like, uh, once I had the baby, it was mental abuse, and then it became physical, once I kind of stopped listening, that's when he started, like, grabbing my hair again, punching me, um, dragging me, and it got to the point, where there were times that his sister would go into our bedroom when he was on top of me, choking me, and take the baby out of the room. Like, she didn't care that I was, like, in pain, that he was on top of me, actively abusing me. You know what I mean? She just, yeah. I mean, which, I'm grateful that she went and grabbed the baby to protect the baby, like, you know? I my help. <laughs> exactly. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, since the baby is okay now in the living room, come and help me. Like, you hear me screaming for help. Do you yeah. know if um, he also, like, maybe came from an upbringing that had abuse? Yeah. So his family wasn't nice to him, um, you know, and he is originally from Mexico. So when he came over here to the States, he was very disconnected. You know what I mean? Because his family, his siblings were already over here, you know, mm-hmm. that he was the last one of them to come. And he was also the youngest at the time. So he felt very like isolated, you know, they were, um, they really spoke English and he wasn't, he didn't know how to speak English at the time. So they would, you know, call him names and they would punk him and like bite him. And, you know, he would cry. He was sensitive, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that was him. And the dad wasn't, the dad wasn't nice, you know, um, from what he would tell me. So he also witnessed, you know, um, 
domestic violence from his parents. Not um, not all the time, and it wasn't something that it was frequently happening in the home, but he did witness it. And, you know, he was used to his grandma in Mexico, who was gentle and loving. So it was a really hard transition, you know? So I did understand, because I'm very, like, I don't know, I'm very, uh, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I just, I'm, you know, I nurture people, and that's just... Yeah, that's just, that's my character. That's how I'm built, you know. Um, You know, leading up to um, kind of, you know, what took place that day, I know that he he viciously attacked you um, and you, you know, almost lost your life. So at that time when you got to that place, were you guys together? Had you already, you know, separated? So him and I were separated. We were not together. We were broken up. Okay, we were, it was not a relationship, but like I said, I had to keep the peace. You know what I mean? So to get him out of my house, it took months of us like building this trust again, right? Because for a time he was like calling the police on me every single day, lying about me. Um, You know, it got so bad to the point where the police start and, you know, if he called again, they were going to take the baby away. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they were false, like, allegations. What kind of things would he say? Okay, so he would he would literally call the police, and he would have them on the phone, and I would be sitting down on the couch, and he would say, hurry, hurry, she's attacking me, hurry, 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 you know, because he would really say things like, I'm going to destroy your life, you're literally going to lose everything, you know, and two times I got arrested um, on false allegations, I was never um, convicted, charged, or anything like that, because... You know, every time they came and got me, I always had bruises or patches uh, missing from my head. You know, mm-hmm. like there was just no evidence that Victor was being abused. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he was like manipulating me. He was like calling my job and, you know, it, it got really hard, you know, because uh, the controlling got intense. Like it just got crazy where he was calling my job and talking to my boss and, like he you was know, obsessed. Uh, basically yeah like and trying to get me in trouble get me fired you know um he would he got really bad and he would tell me things like if you don't go on the corner naked right now and hold this sign that says i'm a whore then i'm gonna call the cops you know and he knew that this was a really fragile time because this was after we got the warning from the police like hey if you get another if we get another call from you guys we're taking the baby away so now he was using that, you know, so if I didn't do something he didn't like, or if I did something he didn't like, he would threaten to call the police, like he would dial 911, you know, and have it right there. He'll say, do it, like, do it. He's cussing at me, kicking me around, do it, I'm gonna call him, do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... And for you, that meant losing your daughter. Exactly, like, there was nothing, I didn't care. I did not care what I had to do. I didn't care how many, like, ass whoopings I had to take. If that meant that my baby got to be with me. To get myself out of that, I had to become very obedient. You know, I had to just listen to him. I had to cut everybody off. Like literally everybody. I had to cut everybody off because if I had any kind of distraction, like I, I just, I could not afford that, you know? And so um, I kept it peaceful. And so I started low-key like redecorating my house right I had a two-bedroom apartment and so I started like little by little like upgrading the furniture and so once we got to like a really good like uh, peaceful state between him and I I told him hey 
can you go to your mom's house for a few months, you know, so I can focus on like upgrading, you know, our furniture, the room, like, I want to get a new apartment, like, can you go over there so I can just like focus on working on building our family and making us like better than we are right now, you know? And because we were okay, you know, because I had it, I did everything I could to try not to make him angry. I was still getting my ass whooped, you know, because that's just, that was him, Mm -hmm. but we were okay. You know, like after the ass whooping, like I didn't hold resentment. Like I would just go out, chill with him, you know, do, do normal things, you know? Mm-hmm. But but every day, like, my plan was building up, you know. And so um, it got to the point where he agreed. So, you know, we were sharing the baby back and forth. You know, I was going to L.A. or, you know, um, picking up the baby. Um, you know, doing what I could to keep him away from my home. Because now he's no longer a resident at my house, okay? Because every time I would call the police, they would say, um, oh, no, he's a resident. You know, we can't we can't get him out. But now yeah. that he's no longer there, it's been more than a month, the police can't tell me that he's a resident. You know, he is not a resident in my home anymore. So that was also part of my plan. You know what I mean? Um, getting yeah. him out of my house long enough to where he would no longer be considered a tenant. So up until the day that it happened, right, we were broken up. Um, he knew I was seeing people. He knew I was, like, kind of doing me. But because I kept him in my life, like, he, he figured, like, I, I was kind of leading him on to keep mm-hmm. it, to be honest, you know, and um, maybe that was my bad, but that was what was safest. You know, maybe a week before this all, this all took place, I told him, hey, like, I'm dating somebody, you know, and he got really, like, mad, right, really mad, extremely mad. And I, I knew that was going to happen, okay? Yeah. But... I told him when he was in LA because if I told him in my home, then obviously I knew something bad was going to happen. You know, he was threatening to like kill himself for like the whole week. You know, he kept telling me, don't talk to my family. Don't tell them. And Victor would do this a lot. This was one of his his tactics. Like he would um, pretend to commit suicide or threaten to commit suicide. So I kind of just was like, Oh, he's, he's going through it. You know, he's having this moment. Um, You know, uh, he would he would say it so much to the point that I just didn't believe him. You know, in the beginning I would and I would call the police or he would truly he hung himself a couple times, you know, he overdosed a couple times. So in the beginning I was really fearful, but once I once I became to the point where he was crying wolf and that he wasn't acting on anything, I was just like, Oh, he's just trying to use this to keep me around. Like the day goes on, you know, he messages me in the morning, okay, and he tells me like, Hey, um, me and, the, me and my family are having dinner or breakfast. I'll, I'm going to leave after after we eat, okay? So they go to the train station, and I tell him, hey, like, you know, have a safe trip. Like, I'll see you when you get here. Because did he have, he had your daughter or? Yeah, he had, he had the baby. So okay. I think it was like two weeks before, two weeks before this whole incident, I had um, dropped the baby back off with him. Okay. So he had her for the for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And he was always he had always like been fine with your daughter. Yeah. So he was always totally cool with her. You know, like he never it was always towards me. And mm-hmm. he would he would use her as like a tactic too. Like he would lock her in the bedroom, you know, um uh, he would 
and while she was crying, you know, he would take her out of my hands, like when he would be mad and lock her in the bedroom with him and she would be screaming for me, you know, um, he wouldn't give her to me. Uh, he would lock me out of the house um, for trying to like feed her, you know, he, he would just use her against me, you know, yeah. he didn't want me to parent. Another um, form of manipulation for him. Exactly, you know, yeah. because he knew I was obviously going to do what I could to be with the baby and to make sure she was safe. I hadn't talked to him for the because re- it was like an eight hour, eight or t- like eight to 10 hour train ride. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a cell phone. So when I finally picked him up, you know, from the train station, the baby runs to me, you know, she's like really happy to see me. Um, me and Victor are broken up. And we just had some really intense conversation. So it was a little tense, you know, but we hugged and he kissed my cheek, you know. Um, and I had just gotten my hair done that night, you know, right before I picked him up. So he was like, wow, you look really good, you know, and I was losing weight. I was doing really well for myself, you know. He um, he looked very sad and I, I knew he was going to be sad. Like, I really knew it just it hurt him to not be with me, you mm-hmm. know. And I liked that. Like, honestly, I did. I liked it. I felt good. Like, I was like, good. Like, I hope you know how badly it hurts to lose me, you know, because you did this, you know, you did this to us. If you would have stopped hitting me, I swear, I kid you not, I could have taken all the yellings. I could have taken all of the verbal abuse, but it wasn't until like, he was physically like abusing me where he was choking me and I was getting limp that I didn't want him anymore. Yeah. You know, and I kept thinking about when he killed the cat, like, and I kept bringing it up, you know, and it just was not healthy for our relationship. Mm-hmm. So anyways, like, you know, we're driving and um, he tells me, hey, the baby needs wipes, you know, and um, so we're, we're driving to Target, okay, I'm driving and, you know, he's like expressing his love and all these feelings for me and I'm listening and I'm, I'm truly, honestly listening to him, you know, but I but I already have my heart set on not wanting to be with somebody who's like choked me and dragged me and, you know, manipulated me and controlled me and exploited me in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just was so set on not wanting to continue my journey with somebody like that. You know, yeah. I was down to still help him. Like I was still financially supporting him. Like he didn't work You know, I was still sending him money and I was still like buying him clothes, you know, even though we weren't together. So I really held him down like that. And I was never a bitter baby mama, you know? Mm-hmm. So we go to target and he's crying. He tells me, Hey, like, can you go into target? Um, you know, I don't want people to see me crying like this. And I told him like, no, you better get, go to target. You're, you're going to go inside because there were so many times that you made me go into stores even worse, you know? So you're going to go in there. You're going to go get those wipes. I was feeling powerful. I was feeling confident. Like I was just, I was done. Like at this point I had no ties to him. Like legally they couldn't keep him in my house anymore. I was into target. Right. And when he comes out, he is mad. Like he is mad um you know automatically he goes into the back seat and I'm like what are you doing like you better not hurt my baby you know like I'm over here thinking that he's planning his suicide you know and like he's gonna try to like kill her and then kill himself or you know kill himself and so I'm like looking and I'm telling him like you better not hurt her he was like I you know he's calling me names and telling me are you like fucking retarded like I would never hurt my baby blah 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 and you know he's like hugging onto her like 
really tight, you know, and I'm thinking, like, what's going on, you know, like, is he that depressed, is hurting him that bad, you know, but I still didn't care, I was still going to stand up to him, you know, like, I'm not going to let myself be bullied and manipulated anymore, you know, because now, I'm not scared of him, you know, I wasn't scared of him anymore, like, I was not afraid, you know, I learned my power and my value, you know, he's still hugging onto the baby really tight in the back seat, okay, and I'm thinking, like, hopefully he doesn't come and, like, you know, try to hit me, you know, like, because he has in the past done some crazy stuff when we're driving, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, like, oh, he better not come and, like, sock me, you know what I mean, and so we're, like, we get out of the car, and we're, like, walking right before my house, okay, and we're at the stop sign, or the stoplight, and I tell him, like, hey, look it, like, I'm letting you stay at my house, because I don't want you to stay in the street, okay? But the moment that I feel unsafe, the moment that you make me feel scared, the moment I have even just a little anxiety, I'm going to call the cops on you. And then she was like, Mona, like, stop being dramatic. He was like, I would never, you know, stop being dramatic. And I'm like, um, good. And he said, I don't remember his comment, but I told him, like, Victor, you don't have that power over me anymore. Like, all any power that you thought you had over me, you don't have it you know, and so he, he started, like, looking at me really angry, right, but that was just him, he looked at me angry all the time, at that moment, and this is what I tell everybody, at that moment, he knew that I did not need him, that all those years that I kept him around was because I wanted him around, I didn't need him, I didn't need him for anything, you know, and so once we walked into my apartment, and he saw brand new furniture he saw it was looking really good something that would have never happened if he was in the home Mm -hmm. once he saw once it became a reality that I really did not need him that I was better off without him actually then he became angry you know so we part ways I tell him you can sleep in the other room or you can sleep in the living room but please don't come into my room and so you know he goes to the kitchen I go to my bedroom you know, I separate our food. Then I go back to the kitchen to where I find him pacing like back and forth. Okay. And I'm just like, whatever, he's dramatic. Like this is him. This is exactly what he does, you know, because sooner or later, if it didn't happen, he knew I was probably going to go give him a hug and, you know, try to make things okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, so once I give him the food and I, you know, I go back to my bedroom, like it happened so quickly but I'm like kneeling, right? So my back is facing towards like the door. Okay. So like once you walk in, like once you walk in, I like kneel. Okay. The baby is like right in front of me and I'm feeding her French fry. Okay. I hear Victor like approaching me. So I look back because obviously like my back is turned towards him Mm -hmm. and he's like lifting up his pants. Okay. And, um, I knew like something was about to happen. Um, right away he just puts me in like this crazy chokehold a lot tighter than um normal a lot tighter than he had done in the past so I knew you know something bad was gonna happen Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like scratch him and um, claw his like eyes and stuff but almost immediately I passed out right like it was almost immediate so um my baby, like, all I remember from that time was she was, like, screaming, like, no, 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 you know, she was almost two, so she was still a baby baby, you know, mm-hmm. um, I wake up in the living room, like, head down, like, I'm on my stomach, 
um, you know, and I'm like screaming for him, you know, because as much as he was like, as much as he scared me, he was also, I was so comfortable with him, you know, and that I cried for him to help me, you know, like, Victor, help me, I'm hurting, I'm bleeding, like, help, I'm gonna die, Victor, help me, you know, like, mm -hmm. I was screaming, like, Vic, help, you know. Um, when you woke up, there was blood, like, you knew there you were bleeding. was so much blood, yeah, I, I knew I was bleeding, I had no idea where I was bleeding, I had, I honestly, it didn't even, like, register in my head, I truthfully, that's, like, the truth, like, it didn't, nothing was making sense, you know, like, I knew there was, I saw hella blood, but I wasn't like, oh, I'm stabbed, oh, I'm hurt. Like, I was just calling for him, like, Victor, please help me, you know. Um, once, you know, he saw I was awake, he put me in another chokehold. He, like, you know, with all that blood. Um, when you first were, woke up, yeah. um, like, were you in any pain or you just, no, you were just, like, out um, of it? Yeah, I was, like, totally, out. I felt dizzy. Like, I remember, like. like disoriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just didn't understand what was going on, you know, like, but I was crying for him, you know, I was like, trying to like, get him to help me. Um, he put me in another chokehold. Um, I passed out again. Uh, I wake up again in the living room. And then, you know, he says, like, why aren't you fucking dying? Like, just fucking die, like, like, die already, you know, um, I'm like, try I'm, trying to cry kind of but everything's happening so fast dude like I just remember him because it was one of those long uh six foot charging cables okay and it was like a thicker like the thick material it wasn't mm -hmm. like the you know and so yeah. he's like he um he like ties my neck he's like tying my neck around with it right so basically um he ties it you know uh, he spins the rope or the cable around my neck a couple of times and I remember this like I tr like I remember him doing that and I'm like trying to hold the cable you know like I'm still screaming like Vic Vic you know and then um he you know has the cable on both ends and he like squeezes it okay and that's where I pass out that's where I pass out that's all that I that's all that I remember from the like the cable incident and mm -hmm. then I wake up like and then I wake up again in the bedroom in my room and I'm like face down again, okay? And the reason why I woke up, honestly, I I really believe that I died because when I woke up, he had enough time to shower. He had enough time to pack. Oh my he God. Had enough, he had enough time, you know what I mean? To like clean up the, clean up a little like of the blood, you know, like he had enough time, you know? And so when I woke up, it was like one of those, <gasps> kind of breaths mm -hmm. you know so like I truly believe my mom probably like gave me some air you know what I mean or something somebody was watching over me that night you know mm -hmm. is um, your mom no longer alive yeah so my mom passed okay. away she had um cirrhosis okay. of the liver yeah so um I actually woke up to a you know like when you're opening and closing your silverware drawer it makes that like clink noise like mm -hmm. you can hear the silver so I woke up to that noise okay and that was when I took that big breath and I just got up like I was so dizzy like the dizziest and everything was so dark um I felt my face so sticky and wet of blood like my hair was like like it felt like I just took a shower right I, mm -hmm. I but in my head I still didn't get like I didn't know you know I, I didn't know that I was like hurt like 
I just felt wet, dizzy, like everything was dark. And so I'm like running, okay? I'm like, my room wasn't big and I didn't have to run far, but I was so scared, you know? Um, I had to open up the window and as soon as I opened up the window, like, I see Victor, and that's when I start screaming, like, he's gonna kill me, like, help me, help, he's gonna kill me, and so that's when I caught the neighbor's attention, so now they're watching, okay, I jump out of the window, Victor tries to grab my feet, and I swear, kid you not, like, I felt dizzy, like, I didn't know what was going on, like, I felt disoriented, like, I felt my body so cold, I couldn't feel my arms, like, I could not feel my arms, I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel, I couldn't mm-hmm. feel anything, actually, um, and so, I just remember, like, being hella scared that he was about to jump out of the window, and, um, there was, like, a, a, a fence, right, and so, I climbed that fence, I let my body just, like, fall, and then, um, I was still screaming like once I got over the fence and I looked back and I didn't see him like I was uh, screaming. I was screaming um, for them to for them to help me, you know, Um, and uh, once I got to like an alley kind of like an alley driveway kind of thing, Mm -hmm. I um, was trying to balance on their car, you know, holding myself up. But Mm -hmm. I ended up just collapsing, you know, my body. I was already going into like shock. I already had lost a lot of blood. Um, I kept telling myself, dude, like, stay awake, stay awake. Like, I felt like just passing out. Like, literally, like, if I closed my eyes, I felt like I wasn't, I was going to be in, like, really deep sleep. You know what I mean? And so. You were dying? Or did you think I'm dying? Yeah. I I really, I really believed it. And um, I really did. Yeah. And I kept telling myself, dude, no, like keep your eyes open like in my head I was telling myself over and over again you know like don't close your eyes don't close your eyes you're gonna die if you close your eyes Mm -hmm. um because I I did like I lost there was like trails of blood you know um on the car there was um you know like a lot of blood and then once the neighbor came out and he like he was screaming for his life like she's she's hella bloody hurry hurry call the you know that's when I knew like Yeah. yeah like that's when I knew like hey I'm something's going on you know like I am hurt I Mm -hmm. haven't been this hurt before you know and um when I was laying down that was actually when I um was like feeling my neck and I felt the cable you know I felt the cable and I was like it was like wrapped around my neck like three times maybe maybe two two or three times and I was like um hold like what is it placing my fingers in the cable so that way I had a little wiggle room right because it was so tight dude like Imagine this. It was tight enough to pop every single one of my blood vessels in my eyes. Oh, wow. Like, literally, he had it so tight that my eyes were bloodshot red. They were darker red than even, like, the darkest red you can imagine. They mm-hmm. That's what my eyes were. Um, and there was not one white part to my eye. You know, it was just red and brown, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I had to keep telling myself, like, please stay awake Moniz don't don't fall asleep you know like don't die you know don't die don't die you can't die don't die I really 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 kept saying that and then um once the police got there I just had enough energy to tell them like Victor Magana Bethany Carranza you know like he took my car it's on 12th street like you know um and they did the rest from there and I memorized my brother's phone number because his number is super easy so as soon as like I got into the ambulance. 
I felt, I felt okay. I still was scared that I was going to die. But instead of like repeating, like, don't die, don't die, don't die. I was repeating my brother's phone number. Like I was like, you know, Julian Ramirez. And then I kept repeating it because like, if I died and they didn't have that number, nope, they wouldn't know who to call. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, I grew up in the foster system, like, and my family and I weren't close, so they wouldn't come looking for me, you know what I mean? Because that's just, that was us, you know, we didn't check on each other um, for a really long time. And so once I got to the hospital, um, like, I remember I just kept going in and out, in and out, and I kept telling myself, like, don't die, don't die, you know? Um I got to the hospital and I remember the surgeon, she was, she like was holding my hand and she was crying. Like, you know, she's like, Oh my God, you know, um, we're going to help you. Okay. We're going to help you. And that was kind of it. You know, when, once that happened, I woke up a couple, maybe a few days later. Um, and I saw everything that had happened in those couple days, you know, the news, um, articles and the videos of the people, um, from the gas station, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shocked me, you know, I was like, wow, that's really Victor. You know, I knew it, you know, I, to- oh, I told everybody. Yeah. When, so you had gone to the hospital, um, you ended up needing surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened with, um, so you, you know, you pretty much had escaped him. Where did he go? Um, and where was your daughter? Yeah, so he ended up taking the baby. He ended up kidnapping her, um, taking her. He was going to, I know for sure he was going to take her to the mom's house, to his mom's house, because that was the way he was going. But he ended up in San Luis Obispo before he um, he locked the keys into the car and he was trying to break my window with a, a brick mm-hmm. and um, the baby was inside, but yeah, they, there was like a big Amber alert for it. Um, I was really scared. I really thought I, I, I thought she was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that uh, I felt really guilty. I did. I felt really bad. Like what kind of mom leaves their kid, you know, when um, they're in that situation and that was something that I really had to over, overcome and kind of um, you have to save yourself before you can save your kid. You know, mm-hmm. and that's something that I learned in my therapy. Like, you know, when you're in an airplane, right, and they tell you, like, if you're going down, you take your oxygen and then you give your child their oxygen. Right. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that. I knew something inside of me knew she was going to be OK because he had never put her in harm's way. You mm-hmm. know, it was always towards me. So I knew and my subconscious knew, you know, like she was, she was going to be all right. And mama had to take care of herself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But the, the Amber Alert was really scary, you know, because I went to sleep not knowing where she was, if she was okay. But as soon as I woke up, like everybody was there telling me like they found her, she's okay. Um, you know, it was, it was very uh, traumatic for her too. Yeah, I can imagine. Even to this day, you know, we we were still working on it, but there's things that um, we had to overcome, her and I. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Because she's, what, like three now? She'll be three um, in December. And actually, this whole thing, this whole situation happened three days before her birthday. 
Okay. Yeah, so it, she'll be three in December. Yeah, so I mean, this really is a pretty, um, it's a really recent experience because it's yeah. it hasn't even been a full year yet, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And um, so, you know, what, what ended up happening to him? I mean, obviously, you know, your daughter, thank God, was safe and, and you have her back. Um, what ended up happening to him? Yeah, so he actually went to jail. So um, he's in jail right now. We're still, he hasn't been convicted of anything. He's kind of trying to fight what's going on. Um, he's doing a lot of like mental evaluations, which is good for him because, you know, he really truly does have something wrong with him. And, yeah. you know, he really does. And honest to God, like if he gets out in like 10 years and his incarceration is not based off of his mental health like if he doesn't get that support in there you know what I mean and get it good yeah. then he's gonna come out with the same issues he really needs to work on himself because one day if he doesn't he's gonna get out and he's really gonna try to find me yeah because you know I still have Bethany so I'm like afraid that when he gets out he's gonna really try to come and look for me or her or both of us and it's not gonna be pretty what does that actually look like so you know given the situation um mm -hmm. as he is her father right you know how does that work in terms of like having to co-parent with him does he keep those right yeah. like how, I don't so, even know what that looks like in the system yeah. I'm like full and sole custody but he still has rights over her mm -hmm. and so actually I just had this conversation with my attorney um yesterday I told her you know he like, is there any way that we can um, revoke his parental rights? Because there, it's not looking like he's going to get life. So that's unrealistic for us to plan like that. You know what I mean? We have to plan according to, like, reality, you know? Yeah. And realistically, he'll probably get maybe 10 years. And in 10 years, guess what? Bethany's still going to be a minor. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So what? what kind of rights is he going to have or what kind of rights is he going to think he has over Bethany, you know, yeah. cause he, what kind of protection do will you guys both have? Exactly. You know, so right now we're trying our best to, um, honestly, it will just be easiest if he gave up his rights, but his family is not feeling that, you know, his family actually today told me, you know, Victor's not as bad as a dad that you think he is, you know? So they're really like on his side and they, they don't believe in like him terminating his parental rights. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that I might have to take it to court, you know, and yeah. fight for it. Like, because it's just not, it's not safe. Yeah. And I feel like by them even suggesting it, they're kind of like dismissing what I went through, you know, because there were a lot of times that I went to the police and they didn't believe me. They didn't care. You know, they didn't help me. And there was even a time that I went to um, three weeks before this happened. I went to next door solutions, you know, and they told me that there was nothing they could do to help, me. you know, um, you know, it was just like a lot of things and a lot of people failed me that now this is in my hands. And I want to make sure that I really do have that power over my life mm -hmm. and my daughters, you know, when she's 18 and if she wants to get to know him as an adult, then I'll obviously respect it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 
up until that day, like I'm, I you want have to protect her and do exactly for her as, um, you know, as her mother. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. well, because it's also protecting yourself. Exactly. I'm sure there's even a lot of like emotion and just mental things that you still have to work through. Cause it's, it's traumatic. I mean, it hasn't even been a full year. Definitely been like a grieving process because even though him and I weren't together, we did talk every day. So once that communication stopped, it was like, I cried a lot, you know, for the first what month and a half. And I didn't let people see me crying about it because people still had their comments. Like, why are you crying over somebody who did this to you? Like, why do you miss somebody who did this? Who blah, blah, blah. But they didn't understand that it was, it's like a, everything is a process in life. You know what I mean? And I, well, and as much as I wanted him gone, I didn't want him gone like that. And I didn't yeah. want us to go down like that. And I didn't, this is not what I wanted for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, in other conversations that I've had with people around um, just different things, um, you know, even when we're in situations that we know are not healthy for us or that are uncomfortable, it becomes very normal for us. So it is, it, it doesn't make sense to, you know, the outside world or friends or family, but you still, like you said, go through like a grieving process of even what, what it was because you yeah. got, you know, used to it, but also, um, you know, you kind of mentioned for what it could have been and what you yeah. had wanted it to be. And I think yeah. that's just part of being human. We go through that, whether we want to or not, it's just how we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think you are amazingly strong. I'm just so happy for you when, you know, you were um, sharing your experience and, you know, when you were saying like, he didn't have power over you anymore because you knew your value and you knew that you deserved better. Like it just, um, it truly made me happy to hear you say that. Cause a lot of times that's what keeps us in situations. We don't think we deserve it or, you know, we're not valuable enough. And, um, you know, we have to get to a place where we love ourselves enough to know that, you know, like you said, no, I knew that you were a powerful person and that, you know, you can change the course of your life. You didn't have to be subjected to being treated that way. Yeah. Um, I know one of the things that you mentioned to me is that it's really important to you to spread awareness and to share your story so that people can, you know, be aware and maybe others that are in the same situation. I want to ask, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who's in a situation like yours and they know they want to get, you know, out of it, but they don't know what to do. Like, what can they kind of start to think about in terms of, you know, getting out of an abusive relationship? Yeah. So I guess it would depend on the circumstance or like the situation Right? every, every case is different. But mm-hmm. for me, it was like um, having to hide the money because even though I was the breadwinner, like I wasn't allowed to spend. And mm-hmm. so I had to you know, literally hide cash, you know, so Mm -hmm. that way that was my cash. So once I was ready to leave or if I ever needed to just like escape, like I had that cash that I built up, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I, I had a, a bag. It was actually unintentional to have this bag, but it was like a, 
a to-go bag so it was ready like it had everything that I would need um you know I, I had all my documents and stuff um somewhere I can easily grab them everybody's plan is gonna look different mm-hmm. mine I was very adamant on having it not depend on anybody you know what I mean so that's why I was like putting cash away I was like going I was being extremely resourceful like where can I go what shelters can I go to like um let me save some money in case like I have to stop working but I have money for my car bill you know what I mean things like that but you know like some people's plan can involve like going and staying with their family you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like um just you know do it when you feel safest you know, like for me, I really had to get back on his good side for me to feel safe. And if that's what you have to do, that's what you got to do. You got to manipulate the manipulator. You know, you got to make it seem like it's okay for them to like, listen to you. I can sit here and give as much as advice as I can possibly give. And I can go in even more detail about my story. But the thing is, is we will leave when we're ready. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And when it's safest and when we when we have our plan, you know, when we have a go-to, when we, yeah, so I guess my advice would just be have a plan and be yeah. adamant and be prepared to really stick to that plan, you know, and if you have kids, it is very hard and it's a lot scarier, you know, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, it's just not worth the abuse, it's not worth the trauma that it brings onto your kids, like, my kids can't, look at anybody hugging me without being scared mm-hmm. you know and a mm-hmm. hug is nice because I want to be hugged you know but mm-hmm. now I have to like understand where she's coming from you know my yeah. kid doesn't deserve that she doesn't she doesn't deserve to uh, view affection as something scary you know what I mean mm-hmm. so um but also you know they say that the first two weeks that you truly leave, that you it is the last time you're going to leave, and they know that it's the last time you're going to leave, they say the first two weeks are always the most dangerous. And let me tell you, okay, from the time that I told Victor that I started dating somebody new up until the time that he tried to kill me, it was only one week. Mm. You know, so that, yeah. that kind of, yeah, so that kind of proves that statistic, you know, yeah. that the first two weeks are the most dangerous. Well, and would you say, and again, I don't want to try to give advice because I've never been in this situation, but I think, you know, hearing your story and seeing that you were able to get, you know, out, um, you know, for women to understand that even when it doesn't feel like it, you do have the power to leave. You do have the power to leave. And man, if I could tell you how stuck I felt, I felt powerless. I felt like no, I didn't feel like everything, I was losing everything. I did lose everything. He truly made me lose everything, you know? So you do have that power. You know what I mean? You have to figure out your plan though. You know what I mean? Everybody's plan, everybody's process looks different, but at the end of it, oh my God, you were so powerful. There's so much power to yourself. You know what I mean? It's so possible. It's like, you feel stuck, man, and I, I, I know, man, and if people are listening to this that feel stuck, I understand it, man, like, I understand how stuck feels, you know, but there is power to you, 
you know there is so much power that i wish you could see i wish and i i, I man you know i just hope you find that plan and that process and you really have to stick to it what what does it feel like now not being in the relationship you're alive you know you mm-hmm. your daughter is safe what does it feel like now to be free from that god it feels so good i feel just i feel so beautiful i feel valued like i feel smart i feel powerful i feel empowered you know i feel like resourceful and when i look back on what vic and i went through i remember I see how stuck I felt, right? And I can see why I felt so stuck, but I'm just, when I look back, I'm like, why didn't I just leave, you know? Who cares? Like, I everything, I lost everything. You know what I mean? I hadn't lost my life, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I was too focused on, like, my career. I was too focused on everything that, everything that um, I had worked for. You know what I mean? You know, I, I went through it. It happened. I learned a lot from it. I experienced so much, you know, um, that it's just, you know. Yeah. And here you are strong and powerful yeah. now today. Yeah. I um, just, I feel really good. I want to thank you so much for, you know, sharing your story with me um, and being, you know, really honest with it. I know you mentioned that, um you know, you're pretty open with your story. And, um, you know, we, we discussed, like, as far as, you know, giving details, but I think sometimes it's important for people to hear the details, even when they're hard to hear, because this is, this is a reality for some people. Yeah. And um, so I just, I really thank you for your time. And, and like I said, for sharing your story and sharing it with me and, you know, the I Love Me Too um, audience. Um, I want to ask, you know, now in your life, what do you love most about yourself? I love how strong I am. You know, I bounce back extremely quick and it wasn't just like for show. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It was, it, it's true, genuine, like bounce back, like even more powerful, even more so than I I had in the past, you know, I'm just so grateful to be alive. And I think that I really, really love that about me that I did not take this situation and let it scare me. You know, I did not let it intimidate me. I didn't let it put fear into my life. No, I let it create my destiny. You know, like I let it create my future. I'm very, um, what is it? I'm very, uh, introverted right I'm very Mm -hmm. quiet like um naturally I guess Mm -hmm. but this has brought out like a whole new me where I'm just I talk to people I've I have friends like Mm -hmm. who would have thought you know like I have real friends that don't use me that don't manipulate me that don't you know um don't come with exactly you know like and I really took what I went through and did everything that I wanted to do you know what I mean like I am just living my, I'm living my life. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm truly grateful for that. Like I really am because, you know, I talk to some people and, you know, they tell me that if they had gone through what I went through, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be the same, you know, it would, it would have affected them. And though it did affect me, I'm not going to lie and say it didn't, it affected me in all the right ways. Yeah. You know? And so 
that's what I truly love about myself. I'm just, you know, and I'm, I'm still pushing, you know, I'm still going and I'm still, yeah. you know, experiencing life. And I still um, am raising my daughter, you know, single and doing this thing. And, you know, my weekdays are booked completely because I'm, I'm focused on her healing and my healing and our interests and our hobbies and, you know, my job, you know, mm-hmm. so it's just, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, no, I, again, I, and I probably can't say it enough, but it just makes me, you know, so happy for you because you can hear like the genuine happiness and like even the freedom in your voice, you know, um, when you're, when you're sharing what your life looks like today. So thank you so much. And, uh, you know, if there is anybody out there that is interested in, you know, connecting with you, um, you know, is there like an email or maybe social media um, where they can maybe reach out to you? Yeah. Um, on Facebook, I go by Mona Briseño. And on LinkedIn, I go by Monicia Ramirez. Okay. And so. I will include that information in the show details so that yeah. people can have that if they would like to reach out to you. Yeah. You know, and feel free to, you know, ask me any questions. Um advice you know anything like even if it's not related to domestic violence you know there's a lot of um I feel like knowledge I can contribute just like growing up in the foster system you know seeing my parents be addicts and growing up you know just kind of free ball in life you know yeah I feel like it's just been a lot Yeah. yeah I think it's very powerful when you know we share our stories but also um you know just helping the next person. So yeah, you for making yourself available to, to anybody out there that, you know, has questions or just needs somebody to reach out to because they maybe haven't had somewhere to go yet. So Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. And I just really appreciate you. I, you know, wish you all the best. And, um, I just, you know, I know that you'll have a beautiful life going forward. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Until next time, remember, you are valuable, you are worthy, and it's okay to say, I love me too.